I am Brad Levitt, host and founder of Finder Test Construction, and we are super excited to bring this amazing guest list to you of people that specialize in business, marketing, social media, entrepreneurship, and most of all, how to build a great company. AFT Construction is a local commercial and residential general contractor located in Scottsdale, Arizona, and we are continuously seeking ways to bring value to our industry clients and network. And please make sure and give us a subscription on any channel that you download your podcast. And of course, a big thanks to our sponsor, Sub-Zero Group Southwest. They're located right here by our office. They've been a great partner, great product, great customer service. So if you're starting a new kitchen project, the Sub-Zero Wolf & Cove showroom is the place to start. It provides an immersive environment to help you realize the possibilities of your future kitchen. Discover what it may feel like, look like, taste like, all in an exploratory, no-pressure showroom. No matter who you are, consumer, owner, or member of the trade community, the showroom is ready to assist you throughout your entire project. I visit the Sub-Zero Wolf & Cove showroom in North Scottsdale very often. As I mentioned, it's just around the corner from my office, so it's the perfect place to meet with my clients and the designer on the project. When we arrive, we meet with a showroom consultant who's so focused is catering the visit to our needs. They seek to understand what products may be best suited for the client and then explain and demonstrate special features and functionality. We can browse the complete line of Sub-Zero Wolf & Cove appliances and then view them in beautifully designed vignettes, helping my clients envision how the appliances might look like in their home. The best part is that the consumers can interact with the products, turn the knobs, open the drawers, and ignite the flames, discovering the best fit for them. With the help of the showroom consultant, each visit is truly unique to the client. The relationship with the showroom does not end with the appliance selection process. Throughout the entire project, the showroom team is there to provide helpful solutions and offer advice and assistance. After appliances are installed, owners can expect a lifetime of support and helpful resources. The Sub-Zero Wolf & Co. showroom is the place to start, experience, and bring your vision to life. Schedule an appointment at your nearest showroom by visiting www.subzero-wolf.com backslash showroom. And we're very excited to introduce our guest, Ashley Stark-Kenner. And for those of you that know Ashley from Instagram, she just celebrated a million followers about a week and a half ago. So big congrats to her. And she also just had her personal home published by Architectural Digest. So that was just released. Uh, and so Ashley Stark-Kenner is the creative director of Stark the legendary carpet and fabric company founded by her grandparents, Arthur and Nadia Stark, in 1938. Stark has been synonymous with the world's finest floor covering since its inception and has been the go-to resource for top interior decorators for decades. Ashley Stark-Kenner is also the Senior Vice President of Design. She brings her fashion-forward vision to the company while maintaining classic Stark samples. Her unique style and eye for the eclectic are present in her vision for the company. Now, one thing that I love about our conversation with Ashley, she really dove into just how she manages social media. You know, she runs her own content, how she balances that between being a mom and working and her role in business. And, you know, something I can relate to, you know, with all of our kids and, and work and everything else. And so it's really important to find time and, and you'll see the value as you've seen her explain in this episode about the value of social media. And we also spoke heavily about, you know, her product line, where she gets her inspiration, you know, how that works. And you know, how social media has been connected for her, working with different designers and architecture firms around the country. And then, of course, the background of the the product itself and what it takes from idea and conception to reality. Uh, very fascinating to hear all the steps and the process of, you know, coming up with the idea and the product line and then before execution and selling it. So you'll love this conversation with Ashley. A big thanks to her for making time. You'll enjoy. So welcome to the AT Construction Podcast. And we are very fortunate today to welcome Ashley Stark Kenner with us, who is the creative director of Stark Carpus. So welcome, Ashley. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, well, Ashley is, is probably one of the most busy um, uh, 
influencers there on on Instagram, I know, and you just celebrated a huge uh, milestone with 1 million followers. So even more lucky to have you on it on the podcast at this time. So big congratulations to you, Ashley. Thank you. It was a very big milestone and I really excited that I hit it. So, so let me just start there, I guess, because social media, you know, a lot of people maybe have a targeted approach. Hey, this is why I'm going to go into it. You know, they have this end goal and some people just really get momentum. They take off, I guess. What was the inspiration to really go after Instagram for you, Ashley? Uh, there was no impetus. There was no inspiration. I started sharing this after I had my first child as just sort of what was going on in my head. It was sort of like my Pinterest board of inspiration, what was inspiring me, what was, you know, where I was getting my designs from. And I just remember looking at my husband being like, wow, somebody, like I have a thousand people just liked one of my, my pictures. Maybe I'm onto something here. And I sort of just developed from there and it, I, I didn't really have a plan. And then, you know, I just sort of created goals for myself, like hit 10,000 and then hit 20,000. And the next thing I know, I'm like at 200,000 and I was flying on and I, um, I really wanted to make something out of it. And I loved the community and meeting all these people and the connection to the designers. I mean, my everyday work, I'm connected to designers. So I loved this even more because I was reaching people that weren't just in New York. I was reaching designers across and, and, and people across the, the world and the country. And it was just, it became um, something that I loved. And here I am today at a million followers. It's amazing. So how long have you been doing Instagram, I guess, for a point of reference? So I feel, I, everybody asked me this, and I'm not even entirely sure. I feel like I started somewhere around 2014, 2015. So it's been five, six years. So, yeah. and it takes time. I think people don't realize that. And, and I will say, and credit to you, Ashley, I mean, I don't think people realize the amount of time you put in. And I know that oh. because I know <laughs> we've been following each other for a while and commenting yeah. and you're so engaging, like with so many followers. So I think to myself, you know, there's so many accounts that you're reciprocating that effort. Cause most people think, Hey, I'm just going to put something out there and let it do its thing. But you're actually being very proactive in the community you've built and the network and just being proactive and commenting to have that back for you. I think also a lot of people, when I tell them that it's all me and it's never yeah. planned, they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, yeah, I fly by the seat of my pants. I post what inspires me at that moment. You know, sometimes I have like a rough plan, but usually it's whatever it is. And I think staying connected to the community has been like the most important thing for me. So it's, people do not realize how time consuming only if you're in the game, do you know yeah. how much it is? And it's, it's a lot, but I love it. And I love seeing all these great designers and being connected to everybody. So. Well, and I think the level of consistency is really important because there are a lot of people I speak with and they're like, well, how do I grow it? You know, I don't have time or, you know, they're only committing maybe a couple of days a week. But one thing that's unique about you is you're dedicating seven days a week. I mean, it is, you are very consistent, which is huge for your follower base. Yeah. I'm, you know what, I'm very goal oriented and I really wanted to hit a million. So it was like, I am just going to go for it. And, you know, I also get so many inspiring DMs every day that just like whenever I hit a moment where I'm like, oh, I cannot do this anymore. People write me like how much it's helped them and how, especially during COVID, they've really been able to stay connected and they feel a part of something and they're traveling through my Instagram and, you know, like getting a piece of somewhere else where they wish to be. And that has just kind of helped me through, through this. And now I feel like I just, I have some other things that I'm focusing on and, um, I'm excited for the next chapter. Well, that's super exciting. And, and let me ask you this. So I, I guess most people don't realize one of the benefits to social media is that 
yes, you're building this account and you're building a name for yourself. But you mentioned something very important is that what it's done, it's been a connector because you also represent a brand that we'll get into, but now you have a direct connection and insight to these designers and architects who now it's a more personal level. So it's almost a shortcut to build that database. It's absolutely true. It's, it's a different way to stay connected and to meet these people that I would have never met before. And, and, and I love it. I mean, I, I discover different designers, architects and companies all, all the time. And I, I, it's, you know, it's been such a, a great thing for me. So what advice would you have, I guess, for someone that's new, that's starting out, let's say I'm starting my account today. What would you say, Ashley, as someone who's been on the platform now for six years, you've put in the time and effort, you know, where should someone start or how should they think about, you know, looking at their page? Like what, what do you think is most important? I think you have to stay true to yourself and really post what is inspiring to you or your projects and not get so frustrated by the numbers and eventually you'll get there. And my biggest thing I can say is stay connected to your followers because people really want to feel that there's somebody behind it. Um, so and just don't get frustrated. I feel like the first thousand to 10,000 followers was obviously the hardest. I mean, I didn't, I wasn't, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't really focused on gaining followers at that time. I just was posting what I liked. So I didn't really make it into a thing, but I think you just, you focus on, on you. Don't focus on the followers and the comments, just focus on you, stay engaged with your following base and it'll grow organically. No, I love that advice. Cause I, I think a lot of us maybe, I think many people are competitive or you look at someone else if they're having all the success and you don't realize that even if you're a micro influencer, or you have a small followers, if you have a good base, you know, there, there's value there, you know, don't get caught up in the numbers, but keep going and, you know, stay at it because the easiest thing is to get discouraged or burn out. So how have you kept from burning out? Because that's always the toughest thing, you know, with the time that social media will, will, um, you know, demand from you. I think the hardest thing for me has been like my kids being like, you know, I try to post it eight o'clock in the morning or seven o'clock in the morning when it's like, oh, oh. <laughs> chaotic. My house is so chaotic. Everybody's like, I want pancakes. I want waffles. And I'm like, oh my God, I have to make a post and I want to stay yeah. true and engaged and comment on with my, all my followers. That's been like the hardest thing. But I think, um, I just remember to like, I'll post and then I'll tune out and make time for my family and come back in. And that's, I think the hardest thing. Well, I think that's really important too, is, uh, you know, I can relate, you know, I have a lot of kids as do you, Ashley. And so you're trying to balance, you know, work and your career and all the little things that we have going on. Then you're trying to balance the social media side of things. So I guess my question is actually, you know, is there a rhyme or reason when you're thinking about posting throughout the day? You know, I would imagine that you're very engaged as far as like your analytics, you know, when your users are, are on and when they're vibrant, you know, so I'm sure there's a strategy behind what time you're posting as well. Right. And then trying to coordinate your day around that. Um, sort of <laughs> I have the analytics. I just, I sometimes have to make it work with my day because, you know, sometimes my analytics will say like 3 PM is the best time. My kids are home. Get out of school. school and like, I can't like pick up my phone and start being on it with them around. So I don't exactly hit, you know, I try to stay within the range, but it's just for my, I have to make it work for my life and it doesn't seem to flow with it as much. But yeah. it is. <laughs> well, I think anyone listening can relate because whether, you know, kids at home, especially right now with COVID, you know, we're all dealing with that and trying to get to the new normal. Right. And then you're trying to balance all these things. You know, but going back to the social media, do you feel, you know, especially in the beginning when you start growing and it takes some time, you know, I'm sure in the first few years it took some time. And then I've seen, especially in the last year, this momentum. I mean, you almost hit this tipping point where 
now it's just consistently high analytics and it's going, was there ever a strategy to network with like influencers or did you see where that tipping point came? I mean, when did you really start to see, okay, this is going to take off and it can really, you know, be a great asset, you know, to me and, and to start carpet. You know, I think in the past year or so that's happened and everybody always asked me why, and I really couldn't tell you why. Yeah. I'm not entirely sure. I do know that I try to post people that I find to be inspiring and I think they post me back and I think that has something to do with my growth, but I know a lot of people do that and I don't know why mine is so much higher. Um, I think the biggest thing, you know, my father who is the president of Star Carpet has always said to me like, don't watch your competitors, watch yourself, try to do what you do best and not what they're, and look at them and try to compare yourself. And I really like hold true to that in my everyday world, whether it be Instagram or Stark or my designing, like I really try to focus on what I can do and not what everybody else is doing out there and what inspires me. And I think that um, maybe that's translated and I really try to be it's, it's really me. So I think that's maybe a difference. Like I don't have a team of people commenting or running the posts. It's just me. And I think people respond to that. So well, I love why, but that. I don't really know why. <laughs> well, I love that you said that because I think the biggest takeaway for anyone listening, when you think about social media, it's authenticity, right? And you see any successful account and they're authentic, right? There's and, and like in your case, Ashley, you're behind it. You're the one running it. I mean, it's you. And so people know that they're commenting. It's you responding. If they're messaging, it's you responding, which gives it some credence and some credibility, right? And I love that you took the analogy in social media to business that, you know, a lot of us get caught up with um, things other people are doing, but we don't know what's happening behind the scenes. We don't know what they're dealing with. You know, even if it may seem successful from afar, they may be having some internal struggles as a company. I mean, but if we focus on our brand, our company, you know, our systems, like things will begin to take root right and place and will become successful. And I think that's a great analogy. And I'm sure, you know, that's helped you, you know, in your business, I would imagine. Yeah, it really has. I always look at, you know, what, how can I be better? And how can I design the next thing? Or how can we make the company a little bit better? And it's not necessarily like, oh, our competitors doing this or our competitors doing that. It's more of like, how can we look within and do the best that we can do? What, you know, what are our strengths? What are our weaknesses? And how can we make that better? Not necessarily like, oh, they're, you know, they're doing this. It doesn't, it doesn't necessarily matter to us. And that's not what's important. It's really look within and how can you do better? Yeah, I love that. And so are there any other social media platforms that you recommend they're using or is mostly Instagram? you know, been the big success story for you? I mean, I really only have time for Instagram. People talk about all the other <laughs> platforms. I'm like, I can barely keep up with this. So forget yeah. it. I'm TikToking. I mean, I'm on Pinterest, but not in a way that I was originally. I mean, I really use my Instagram as like my Pinterest board. Like if you were to like peep inside my insights, I have a million pages, you know, beach home, inspo, things that I want to buy. I have a million saved things and I really use it in the way that I used to use Pinterest. So I, I really just don't have time for anything yeah. else. <laughs> well, and, and that's understandable. And the thing is, you know, that's, I, I think for most people listening, you know, if you have something that's tried and true and working and building that brand, I mean, stick to it and put the time and effort, right? Cause that's going to be your best ROI anyways. And yeah. so for someone like you, that's really managing and very conscious of your schedule and time and everything you have to do. I mean, if, if you could focus on Instagram and it really builds your database and your company and your, you know, everything that you're doing, I mean, why 
rock the boat, right? Right. Try to keep dabbling in other things. Yeah. I mean, I think then you lose focus. I yeah. stay focused on one thing. If I have my hands in six different things, it might not be as good on that one. You know, I don't, I don't know how I'd keep up with my followers and try to TikTok and do all this stuff. And I Instagram <laughs> has made you it. You so can easy. figure out TikTok anyways. I, so. I can. It's just not for me. I cannot figure it out for the life of me. I'm still working on Instagram Reels, so <laughs> I feel like do what you can and try to do one thing best, then do six things half. You know. That's maybe where we start uh, subcontracting our children, right, to do TikTok because they seem to pick it up faster than we do anyway. I know. So. I know. Luckily, my kids are not on TikTok. And That's good. <laughs> yeah. <can't>. It's... <laughs> yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff. Even my kids, you know, we've, we've, we've tried to push them away from that platform of Snapchat. I mean, there's just so much, you know, there's some good things about social media that we all understand, but there's a lot of toxic and bad things too, especially for yeah. kids, you know. They don't understand the ramifications. Like, it, it, you know, we didn't grow up in this world where we yeah. – something on and it's on there for the world to see forever like it's hard for seven-year-old 14-year-old 17-year-old even to understand that this is like a permanent thing for you you know yeah. for us it was like a picture and you can tear it up and then there's no trace of it but yeah. this is like somebody can screenshot it and 700 people can have it forever i mean it's it's a different world that they have to live in and it's i'm trying to navigate them without being on social media. I mean, as it's so hard. They're not on there. It's very minimal. And it's until they can make their own choice where they're saying, no, I want to be on there and understand the ramifications of having a million people see their daily lives. Yeah. I don't have any interest in putting them on. I love that. Oh my goodness. That's such good counsel, Ashley. So thanks for sharing that. Cause I think anyone listening can relate. I mean, especially if you have young kids, you know, and I just, you know, not to get off topic, but you think about, you know, just when we're in high school, you know, and you, you dealt with like everyone does in high school and all that stuff. And I can only imagine, you know, just the, the bullying or not the segregation, but you know, the who's in, you know, and the, yeah. the, the popular crowd. And if you're not in that demo and then it's even exposed more on social media, I mean, it's just, it's such a tough thing to navigate. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's insane. But going back to, I guess the topic. Okay. So, you know, Ashley, I guess over the years, you know, how has, do you feel as a creative director of Start Carpet, do you feel that, you know, Instagram has influenced, you know, the creative side of you, you know, from inspiration and other things you found on that platform. And how has that evolved? I mean, I think I'd go back to saying that I'm exposed to all these designers and designs and even just creative people and, you know, other influencers and different companies and builders that I would have never been exposed to. I mean, you're so, I'm New York based, obviously. And I, now I, you know, I get, I'm talking to you who's in Arizona. I mean, that would have never happened before because I would have never had the channel to meet you and see. And then I'm inspired by your work. And then, you know, a lot of the times people ask me like, who do I use? I'm from California. What do designers do you recommend? Do you have a tile company? Do you have a builder? And like, I'd say half <laughs> my DMs are these kind of questions. Yeah. And I'm able to then share that. And I'm also able to look at that and be like, oh, wow, that's cool. What he's, what, what they're doing there. And then you know, I can use that as inspiration. I mean, my biggest source of inspiration really is travel, which obviously I'm not doing right now. And um, I'd say fashion. So those have been the biggest things. I just now feel like I'm exposed. Instagram has helped me be exposed to people that I wouldn't necessarily be exposed to. But and, um, yeah. Yeah. And it's a big connector. I mean, that's the thing. Social media, like as, as you mentioned, I mean, here we are connecting, you know, different in, well, same industry, but we're like different avenues of that industry, you know, yeah. and we're in different States and, you right. know, here we are connected and we have, 
you know, a lot of common ground. And it's funny because you mentioned travel. I mean, I, you know, I'd imagine for, you know, in the years past before social media, a lot of people found their inspiration through travel, whether it be different cultures and, you know, whether it be dining and styles and architecture and all these things, you know, cause you notice that as you travel, but now social media, it's almost at your fingertips where you can look at different styles, what's trending, you know, maybe in Paris and or London or New York or Los Angeles. And then now you can put that together to see what's really hitting, you know, for our demographic. Exactly. And, and so, um, you know, as the creative director, I guess, what does that role entail? Are you, um, really involved in, you know, some of the new, new lines and new designs and patterns and fabrics? I mean, you know, how far do you touch as far as the creative goes? I mean, I really touch everything creative. It's also a family run business. So I also have my hand in a lot of the business decisions as well. So it's like everybody always asks me, my day is a mixed bag. Yeah. <laughs> but I do, um, do a lot of the designing. I used to travel all over the world and country um, for buying and sourcing, you know, visit our factories, India, Tibet, Nepal, all over the place. Um, so I did definitely did all of that. And then I would travel to all of the fairs like Maison Objet in Paris. I'd go to London for um, some of their shows. And um, then in, in the States, I'm in, in every design meeting, whether that be like we take one quality and we you know do it in 16 different scales and patterns and colors. And then I pick which one I think is the, the best. And then we, you know, we pick which company we're going to distribute it in. So that's sort of my sphere. I also do the PR marketing and advertising, which obviously is very similar to my um, Instagram. So I developed like, you know, help develop the latest advertising campaign where we should put it, which magazines we should do, you know, whether it's going online, um, sort of moving my father and my uncle who are the head of the company to see like some of the newer channels that they didn't necessarily know before. Um, and then helping with, you know, the Instagram has become sort of a daily PR for them posting different rugs and different products. And then um, I do design development where I'm just like in with the design with our design team and, you know, saying, okay, I'm really into Moroccans right now. Let's like do a line of Moroccans and, I don't personally put my name on it because it's stark. So then yeah, it's the company. That and it goes through and, and then that, that's that. That's so amazing. So what is like, you know, going back to that, you think about, okay, you're, you have this inspiration or you have this creative idea, you know, you're traveling, you see these different things. So what is the cycle from, okay, I have this idea, you know, of this pattern and texture, you know, let's getting into design and implementation and let's get it into you know, development and fabrication. And then we got to get to distributors and we got to get out there and then we got to get installed and then we got to get it photographed. I mean, you know, how quickly, if you have an idea of the carpet that you want um, to design, you know, how quickly till that's actually in production and then, you know, sell it to depends on the quality, but it's usually around six months. So basically I'll take an idea, picture, inspiration, whatever it is, and then I'll work with my design team. We'll put it into CAD. We'll put it on on the computer, we're on the colorways, then we physically pick palms. We have like a whole wall of palm colors and I pick the color combinations, put them together. Then we send, you know, then we sit down and we're like, okay, what kind of quality do you think this is gonna look in good in? Is it a hand knotted Tibetan or is it a machine made Wilton or is it a handgun from China? And then we usually send it off to everybody. And then, you know, with six different copies with different colorways and then they send us back the sample. So it just depends. Like obviously hand knotted in Tibet, there's somebody, there's one person hand knotting this sample for me. So that could take, you know, 12, 12, six, three, 
four weeks up to 12 weeks, depending on the construction. And then handgunned is like a few weeks, but it's coming from China. So they have to yeah. ship it over. Then we wait till everything comes in. We lay it all out on the floor and we're like, okay, which color combination looks great? Which uh, texture looks better? You know, did we do it cut or sheared or, you know, hand woven or carved? And then we decide which construction quality we like best. And then it's, you know, it's like, do we like this medium blue or the strong blue? And then we pick it all out. And then we decide, are we going to do this for Stark only? Are we going to do it for some of our distributed lines? Is it going to go into different stores? Where are we going to distribute it? And then we decide on how many samples to send out and then it goes out. So it's around, it can be anywhere from like three months to six months. That, that's amazing. I love hearing the inside because one thing is you don't grasp. And I think the one thing about social media is you see these amazing post right of star carpet and you see your amazing product and people don't realize behind the scenes and what's fascinating if i understand this right so if you come up with an, an, an idea you know the pattern and color and look and texture is going to be different depending on the process you know as you mentioned if it's hand woven or whatnot and so you're going to send it to maybe six different countries or six different you know methods of installation and then when you bring that in you're looking at that and you can really tell and hone in say yeah this is going to fit this pattern and we need to yeah. go this route yeah. I mean, that's how it's done. It's like usually in seven different constructions and it's like the subtlest thing that maybe someone who's not in this world wouldn't understand, you know, whether it's like even on our Wilton, which is a machine made quality broadloom that you would think like, do we tip shear it? Do we do texture? Do we do it flat? Is it on a, you know, a jacquard machine? Is it on this? And each little tweak makes the pattern look a little bit different. Like is the line a little bit too thick? Is it too thin? Yeah. We decide which we think is the most saleable and which we like the best, and then it goes out. So it's, it's like such a tiny little minutiae of a change that can change the look of it. So how is that affected? Because you think about just the ability to, to perform. I mean, you have to have a lot of great vendors and partners right up, all throughout the world that can keep up with the demand. You have to figure out your pricing matrix because you have to figure out, okay, what's the production cost and what's the shipping and then what's our distribution here, you know, and worldwide. And so, you know, I'd imagine there's just a lot of hands involved and I, you know, over the years, I'd imagine there's a database or at least a good understanding of, of the cost of goods and, and the production to get out there. And so that's something I would imagine you're tracking. So you have a good pulse for that. Yeah. Which is amazing. A long time. Yeah. <laughs> so how do you keep, I guess with COVID, how has that affected? I mean, have you seen, I know a lot of us have been displaced. I know you're not living, you know, you're, you're living remotely right now, you know, so how has COVID affected, you know, your showrooms? How has it affected your manufacturers and shipping? Have you seen um, any issues there where you're having to communicate with vendors and, and designers and partners on delays or how's that? No, been? Luckily we've been okay. Knock on wood, obviously. And, um, that we've really stayed on top of it and we've shifted some, some things different, differently. And you know, the design centers, I feel like they're not, um, not as much as in person, but it's easy because we can just send samples to our clients and we've been able to adapt pretty well. And, um, hopefully everybody just stay, stays masked and we can get rid of this, but it's been okay. It really has. It's not been, it's not been bad. We've shifted a little bit more to like sending out samples to our, our clients, but the production hasn't been, affected as much which is great and you have showrooms all over the country right not just yep. there in new york and so yep. you know are, are they operating differently in certain states depending on the regulation do you have some where they're still coming in um into the showroom or is mostly everything handled remotely right now 
Um, well, they're not, it's not remotely. People are coming in. We're doing all of the precautions. Even New York City, um, we are considered wholesale. So we were one of the first things to open up, especially in New York. And most of our showrooms across the world, across the country have been totally open. You know, we're in Boston, Chicago, San Francisco, LA, Hollywood, Florida, Houston, Dallas. I mean, we're all over. So we've been fortunate enough to be considered, you know, we were first here to open. So, and everybody is masked and it seems like we're doing fine. And we're, we're also happy to send samples to whoever needs them. Yeah, that's amazing. So are you doing, what do you prefer? I mean, I would imagine you're still doing a lot of residential, you do a lot of commercial. Is there a certain field that you enjoy more, you know, with the end user? Is there more of a demand on either side? What do you, what do you see more from what industry? Um, we do both. We, we do both. I mean, I'm, I really, we design across the board. Like I said, one design ends up in 25 different constructions and eventually ends up in hospitality. We do a lot of hospitality. We do a lot of high-end hospitality. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of people are actually kind of shocked when they hear how many hotels we're in. Yeah. <laughs> St. Regis, I mean, all over Paris, like every, every high-end hotel we really do. Um, but it's both. I mean, we do, I, I like, I enjoy both. I always love seeing the hospitality as well because I think it's, it's always so much bolder. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I do both and I love both. And, and they can do that. I mean, I've seen, you know, I've, I've worked in my career doing hospitality and in, you know, high end, um, you know, hotels and resorts, you know, especially early in my career. And, and you see that there is a need because, you know, when you're looking at it from a business owner on the hospitality side, you know, you want to make a statement, right? You want to make an impact. When people walk into that arrival zone into the lobby, you know, you want that statement to be there. Yeah. And so that's what lines up exactly with the product that you're doing. And, yeah, and so I asked. And suites and, you know, we did like the win and a lot of Vegas hotels, which has been like fun to see. Which and is then we super. did a lot of like apartment buildings, you know, nice apartment buildings in New York City. We do their quarters or their lobbies. Yeah. And there's always, uh, there are a lot of nice places in New York. So I'm sure there's a, yeah. a, a good vendor list there, you know? So do you have, you know, going back to design, Ashley, I mean, I know you have a great influence in design and you post a lot of amazing inspiration. Is there a style that suits you? If you were to say, okay, I'm going to build the Ashley, you know, start Kenner house. Um, is there a style that you gravitate to on a personal level? Yeah. I mean, my, my first time I was ever published was in Domino magazine. I was about 21 and they called me the rebel traditionalist <laughs> and I sort of feel like that is kind of still accurate to my aesthetic it's definitely not modern it's definitely not traditional it's somewhere in between and I have like a little bit of a beachy French undertone to it all um, my house is going to come out in about two weeks in a major publication and everybody will be able to see it so you can see yourself oh that's story. exciting so how can yeah. we follow? I mean, you probably can't tell us the ins and outs. I can't tell you that, but it's literally like a week away, probably. Oh, wow. So, so we'll just have to follow your account so we can yeah, stay tuned on that. Follow my account. You can see it sometime in mid-October. It'll be on um, newsstands and online. So, Well, one thing I noticed, it's funny because I, I think I mentioned this to you. So we have a client here we're going to be doing uh, a project for in Scottsdale. And pretty much every inspiration they have for their design is from your page. And really? so... You know, they, they love a lot of the trim detail you do and stuff and everything. It's funny because as I was sitting there in our pre-construction meeting is all Ashley Stark, you know, on all their images. So, I mean, there is, you know, there's, I, I can see how that's very uh, appealing 
you know, especially to what we're seeing, we're seeing that trend and it's, you know, it's, it's a beautiful, timeless, you know, design. Yeah. I'm, I'm into the more classical art architecture with a little bit cleaner, modern furniture inside. So I love molding and I love um, that kind of look. And, and, and I was just going to, yeah, I was just going to say that because it is, you have this, like, um, you think of this or ornate but very decorative you know trim work like you'd see in Paris and then you had this modern furniture with these chevron wood floors I mean yeah. it's kind of this contrast right. to that modern and that uh just a beautiful aesthetic right I mean I think it appeals to a lot of people because you see it and it just it screams like powerful right in that design which is really cool so how how often do you have you know from a I guess from a start carpet side um do you I, I know you have your own creative side where you're coming up with your own designs Ashley and you're working with your team and you know, outsourcing, as we mentioned, but you get a lot of requests for a custom line, like, hey, we just want this for us. It's a dedicated design. You know, um, does that happen? I mean, or how often does that come across? Yeah, definitely. We, it happens a lot. Um, we have a lot of high-end clients in New York who want unique patterns to them, and they'll come to us, and they design it themselves, and we give it just to them, and it stays in their library, and they can use it whenever they want. And So I was going to ask that. when when if yeah. So if someone wants a custom design, are they, um, are they reaching out to you to do the design? Do they kind of have some inspiration already and say, this is what we're thinking. Can you create this for us? A lot of the times they come to our showroom and they see a sample of something and they want to tweak it, blow it up, change it, take something out. And then it becomes their custom design based off of something that they've already seen. I'd say 90% of the time it's that way. And we make it completely to their liking, their colors, their construction quality, everything. So it's an easy fit. We that, do a lot of custom, high-end custom. Yeah, that's really neat. And it's good to have a resource for, you know, we find with our designers, you know, that they like to have a resource. They like to have their imprint, you know, their style, whether it be, you know, a certain wallpaper that's catered to them, or as you mentioned, you know, a carpet or certain paint colors, of course, you know, that they've spent time researching. And, you know, so how do you navigate that, I guess, from your side as, you know, someone who's manufacturing and selling this where you may have a lot of people reach out and say, Ashley, I love that carpet style and it may be custom. You know, how do you navigate when they're asking or inquiring on maybe to purchase that line? You know, how do you keep that, you know, sacred to the designer, I guess, or the custom client? Um, we only do, we only work with designers. So a lot of the times it's fielding Matt and trying to match them. And if they don't have already a designer, I will match them with somebody who they're working with who they can work with and then they can buy our product. So you, do you, does, do you sell a lot of retail then or no, or it's mostly just new design? We own trade? another company called prestige and we okay. sell a ton, a ton of retail through them. Um, but no Stark is exclusively to the trade. Okay. Stark itself. And how do you, when you're selling to the retail on the other line, um, you know, are you working with install as well? Are you subcontracting that? I mean, how do you manage that aspect? Because that's we a whole, install. we have a, uh, but we have a, a very wide breadth of installers that we work with across the whole country. Mm -hmm. um, custom workrooms that, that, you know, we do everything on site. So like we come and cut, cut the rug around the hearth, hand sew it. I mean, we recommend our people always and anytime that people don't use it, they always get burned. They always like kick themselves for not using our installers just because we've been doing this obviously for 85 years and yeah. we, know, we know, we know what we're doing. Um, but we subcontracted out. And, and it's hard to convey that. I think most people don't realize, you know, just the level of expertise, you know, they may think, oh, I have my own installer or I know someone that's good, but they're not understanding, 
as you mentioned, you know, to, you know, cut around a mantle and then hand sew it right. So it's going to perform and last over time. And just the quality, you know, to install that. I mean, there is a level of expectation unless you have tried and true vendors. I mean, you're only as good as your vendors because then you may have, if they have someone else, they may call you and say, Ashley, it's not performing. It's failing. Like it doesn't look great. And you're like, well, can't be responsible for it. Yes. Yeah. Because otherwise we know, I mean, this happens all the time. We know that, you know, like the edge will fray or they put it on the stairs and it'll wear out in the wrong place. And it, if you use ours, obviously we can guarantee it, but if not, you know, we can't. And it's, um, it's definitely definitely good to rec- use our recommended installers and workrooms. See, and what's nice, I mean, when you have credibility as a company, as a firm, I mean, you've been doing this for so long, you know, your brand, that you, there's a lot of credence and credibility where when you tell a customer, hey, we've been down this route, here's what happens, you know? And, and I find that very similar to us in the construction design world too, that, you know, we may have clients that ask us to do certain things and we may do it early in our career until you realize, that's not going to work. And so yeah. you really get these systems where you can push back and say, no, here's why, here's what you need to think about. And the analogy I'll give, it's funny, one thing that's not really related to carpet, but you know, we, you know, with online and I'm sure online shopping has affected you to some extent as it has everyone because everything's out there. Right. And so one thing that I deal with is, you know, I have a lot of customers that say, okay, Brad, you want me to buy this, you know, plumbing package, maybe from Kohler, like this Kohler package, you know, here's my price. It's X dollars, but I can go on Amazon and I can piecemeal yeah, these I pictures know. together. Right. And I'm going to save, you know, $3,000. But what they don't understand is, you know, just the simple process where I tell them, okay, but if you're buying through me, this is direct from Kohler. It's from their manufacturer, all the parts and pieces it's under warranty. So if something's not performing, the labor's covered, but if you buy it on Amazon and we install it and there's parts missing or it's refurbished, now you got to pay the plumber to come back, take it apart, ship it back to Amazon wait for it, pay the plumber again. And then so you get in this, you know, and it's easy to tell them because we've been through that. Right. And, and so how do you navigate that from your side? I mean, do you, from a custom line, you probably don't have to deal with that as much, but do you ever have people reaching out, pushing back like, Hey, I can find a light kind or something, or is it pretty, you know, or do you have a brand where you can say, no, this is, you know, this is why the price is what it is because here's all the resources and you know, the creativity behind it forget the creativity is the construction. I mean, if you want a rug that's going to wear out in two years, go somewhere else. But it, I mean, I have people that come up to me and be like, I have my grandmother's star carpet from <laughs> 1970, like in my dining room. I mean, our, it's a different level of quality. It's just, that's what you, you pay for what you get. And yeah. I am, you can't buy us on Amazon, but you can buy a rug. It's certainly going to like wear, walk out. I mean, you're going to get traffic patterns. You're going to get it to fall apart. You just can't, I mean, you can't even compare the level of construction to ours. So is there a element of the home like application or hotel application that's your favorite? I mean, do you love to see like a gorgeous stair runner, you know, up the stairs or maybe in the living room or is there a certain location in the home or the arrival zone that I, I, that speaks to you where you want to get creative and, and make that pop? I think a lot of people are scared to do powerful stairs, but I think it's so fun when people do and they see the impact. Like whenever I, I haven't posted one in a while and maybe I'll post one today. (laughs) But when you actually see how awesome a bold staircase looks, you're like, Oh, that's really cool. But a lot of people don't do it. They're not like they, they're, you know, they want something neutral in the stairs. So when you do it right, it's really impactful and can be beautiful. Um, but I also do love like a living room rug is always like the centerpiece of the house. I feel like. And, and it's funny you say that cause 
I, I would agree. And then when I was asking that question, I was just thinking, you know, and then, you know, being visual myself, you know, and as I'm seeing different photos, like when you see like this amazing staircase and the star carpet coming up, I think that has the biggest wow factor. Right. And I'd imagine, especially if you're, you know, in a brownstone or in New York, right. Even more so because that's something that's going to be common in some of those nicer, you know, residences there where they have multi-level. Yeah. So, for sure. Yeah. And I'm so post- I- Okay, I'm gonna to post today so you can see you can see how impactful they can be. <laughs> well, that's awesome. I'll, I'll look forward to that. And um, you know, I guess what is your favorite part? You know, I think one thing that's unique to your business is, as you mentioned, you're able to travel. And I know right now COVID it's temporary, but throughout your career you've been able to travel to all these different countries. You know, meet different people and different talents and ethnicities and cultures and food and cuisine and all these things. So I guess what's your favorite part of you know, your business of your role? I mean, I think definitely the travel was my favorite. Um, Getting to go to all these places, like I traveled early on um, in 2012 to India and Nepal. And, you know, the weeks before we spent just compiling all my designs and sending them over. So when I got there, like I saw half of them on the looms there and then half of them already done for me. And I was able to work with the actual weavers tweak the patterns and the colors like right there and see these people who you know had been been generationally passed down like in Nepal it was six women sitting on a a rafter or hand knotting and they do one inch per day and I'm sitting there seeing my designs that I sent them like six weeks ago you know starting on the loom and to me that was just such a mind-blowing amazing experience to be able to see and then to understand what goes in you know I'm the internet has like, you know, everybody wants it now, but I'm like, there is six women sitting there (laughs) nodding this rug. And this is a trade to them that has been passed down from generation to generation. And, you know, it's an art to them. It's not just like their job. This is like how the women and the children, they learn. I mean, this is like their grandmother, their great grandmother. They've all been doing this. So to me, that was just so inspirational to see and then be able to work directly with them and, you know, being like, I like this line a little thinner. Maybe we add a little pink here or a detailed line or let's carve this. That was just so inspiration, inspiring. And then, you know, to be able to go to Paris and London twice a year and like, I always just feel refreshed to see what's going on in other places because you can get so pigeonholed and stuck in your own like little bubble of a mm-hmm. world. And it's always, no matter how many times I go, it just reopens my eyes to that the world is bigger than New York city. So those, those are definitely my favorite parts of. Well, I, I love that you shared that because I mean, going back to, I mean, London and Paris, I think would inspire anyone, right? Those are such yeah. great cities to visit, but going back to your story in Nepal, I mean, that's the one thing I think our culture and society, especially here in the U S I wish that, uh, you know, more people could travel and be more diverse to understand, you know, how people, you know, are um, living their daily life in other countries and the crafts and, you know, the, the labor behind it, because we're so, um, you know, conscious, or I should say we're so spoiled in a way that in here, you know, things we just imagine they're here, they're platter ready, they're off the factory line, but you don't realize the, you know, the quality behind your carpet line, that these are people that are hand knitting, and this is a quality trade that's been handed out for generations. And the time and the amount of staff and labor that goes behind the production is just unlike anything most of us have seen. Oh, when, when people tell us to rush a hand on a rug, do you know what that entails? Adding more women yeah. to, the line, to the line, hand not the rug. It, it's not like, okay, let's press a button and get the yeah. machine faster. <laughs> it's physical people spending more hours knotting this rug, you yeah. know, and 
I mean, it's, it's incredible to see these women doing this on the sitting on like a raptor in the middle of a room doing it. So that when people are like, why can't I have it now? Like it's an art form that these people do. There's like actual a person behind it, this rug. And that, that's why our pro our, our quality is higher. Our standards are higher. I mean, you can get a machine made rug, but that's going to fall apart in within two years. It's going to walk out in different areas, which means like you'll see the traffic pattern and, you know, it just will start to fray. Like the hand knotted construction from Nepal using like the best wool, the best fibers, like that's gonna last you a lifetime. I mean, we have rugs, the whole antique rug world. I mean, we, we sell antique rugs that are from the 1800s, even before that. So, I mean, those are the original hand knotted and that's the quality we stick with today. Well, I love that you're sharing that because I think that gives a lot of people, especially our listeners, like an insight to, the level of detail, because most people, whether they're building their home, designing, architect, I mean, a lot of times you don't understand just the level of care and detail and time that goes into a lot of the products that we consume and use and, and paying for quality or at least demanding quality, right? It's going to have things that perform over time. And it's hard to quantitate, you know, quantitate that for people until they really see or hear, you know, how that is. And for you to be in Nepal and really see that it's easy to explain. I've seen it. This is what they're doing. This yeah. is, what goes behind it. So when you're in Nepal, were you able to explore it all in the Himalayas? Like I've always been fascinated with the Himalayas and Everest. I mean, not that you hiked I, Everest, but did you I ever go up at all? I was, I, I worked till I couldn't see straight. Yeah. So you just got to see the mountains there in the background then from. Yeah. I went to a bunch of um, monasteries and I walked like the, what's it called? The Sipa thing that I don't know, the famous thing in Nepal. But That's, other than that, no, I was like all business. Well, I would imagine too, especially, you know, mom and traveling, you know, I mean, and they're on business. I mean, your schedule's very, um, you know, very regimented, right? So you have to be conscious of that, you know, yeah. so how does that work? I guess going back to social media, like when you're traveling, you know, and you'll be in Nepal, I mean, that's a totally different time zone. So how are you managing the social I media? You know? I just did it. I just kind of posted still. I don't think anybody even like sometimes I don't even realize. I mean, the last, the last place I was was Paris and I just posted, I made it work. It, it was off for like a few, you know, the few days that I was traveling and I probably posted when people were sleeping, but it didn't make a difference. And then I just went back to my normal schedule. Yeah. So how, so how are you balancing everything now? I guess, you know, with three kids, you know, at home, you know, COVID time, I mean, how are you managing just the chaotic that is our everyday life right now? Doing the best I can. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, you know what, it's more the, the personalities. Everybody wants something else to eat. Yeah, right. Somebody wants pancakes. Somebody wants this. My husband wants something else. I'm like, why is everybody home? And why is he torturing me? And then I'm like, I have six Zooms. Nobody come in my room. Yeah. And, and the funny thing is with that, you know, and, and I'm sure you can relate. I mean, we have six kids, but like all six of them have different palates, right? So none of them want the same thing. So, you know, my wife and I look at each other like, okay, well, all six of them want something different. So it's like so chaotic. It's so hard. And being at home, they're more hungry, right? So you're yeah, really exactly. trying to figure that out. Yeah. And, and, and my, like so I've had a friend joking to me, she's like, I don't understand why my child wouldn't eat the hamburger. And I'm like, well, would you eat the hamburger? No, I don't even like hamburgers. I'm like, so then why are you forcing your child to eat the hamburger? Give them something that they like to eat. Like nobody's going to force you to eat something you don't want to eat. Yeah. You know, you have to, you have to like remember they're people. You can't just like in, force them to do things. So I, I try to cater to everybody and it's been definitely tough with a full-time working job, you know, and I'm trying to maintain like all these zooms in quiet, which is, you know, well, you've done a great job. I mean, you've been on the Zoom this call and it's been completely quiet. So kudos to I, you. That's awesome. I think the biggest thing that's taken a hit for me is my, sto my Instagram stories because I don't have as much time to be personal on them. And 
I'm and they take a lot of time. Stories yeah, take a lot of time. That coming back, that piece coming back, because I really, I haven't wanted to put my personal life on there so much because it's so much revolves around my kids, as you know. Yeah. And, you know, that's been like a tough, a tough thing for me, but hopefully I'll be in New York City in a few weeks and that can sort of go back to normal. Yeah. So how's it going in New York City? I mean, are they starting to open up? I mean, is yeah, it getting better there? Really great. It's normal. Look, everybody's in masks and as they should be. And other than that, it feels great. It feels normal. And, you know, people are being, hopefully being responsible, especially where I live. It seems to be really great. And I've been back a few times and, you know, it's just, everybody's really respectful and everybody's really following and everything's open. So. Well, that's great. Well, I guess, you know, being sensitive to your time, Ashley, you know, you know, as we close this up. So I know you mentioned some very exciting news. Your house is going to be published and so we can stay tuned for that so how do we find out more info on that and and what else do you have coming up that's that's exciting that we need to tune in for besides the million the million follower uh milestone there so i'm actually working on a bunch of secret things right now um that is a little too early to talk about but i definitely have something really big in the works and um, i just signed on and started development phase and I cannot wait to share with everybody what that is. And I think pretty soon I probably will because I'm going to try to um, film a lot of the process of what I'm doing and I'm excited for that. And the, my house, I will make an announcement on Instagram, I guess in a few days. Um, Great. You can see it. Well, that's exciting. And we'll stay, we'll stay posted too on your social media as you post uh, the stir runner. I'm excited to see which one you post later. So great. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. And where can our listeners find you, Ashley? Ashley T. Stark. Well, awesome. Well, thank you so much for making time. We really appreciate it. Have a good day. So again, a big thanks to Ashley for making time to come on the podcast today and especially diving into, um, you know, the importance of having that style and aesthetic you know, on your page, you know, being inspired for what she's doing and posting and how she finds that inspiration, especially for the product line that she's doing with Start Carpet. And of course, just the innovation, you know, and the work that goes behind the quality of that product. And there's a lot to be said about educating the public about your company, understanding what makes you different than everyone else. And, you know, Start Carpet, their example is, you know, just the time and resources that go into every design for each of their uh, customers and then of course the resourcing and working with different vendors around the world you know and just the hand um, applied process that goes into this the labor behind it and what a message you know creating that emotional journey you know throughout the marketing strategy of the company and and how we paint that picture so that our customers understand what it is that we're doing behind the scenes so they see the value it's so important to broadcast that and of course you know the importance of um, being active being consistent being engaging and responding and you know it's hard to do when you have a big account but you know all of us start from somewhere and actually started from the very beginnings and and was very engaging and, and that helped build her um her reciprocity with her network so big thanks her for making time thank you all for tuning in and we'll see you next week